0: Father we thank you for this morning we thank you that you're the God of order and even though sometimes we bring disorder to the world um, you're in control and so we just relax in you this morning things uh, didn't quite go the way we expected or planned but that's okay Uh, you are still here with us and we just pray that you would use this morning to your glory and our good Father we pray that you would speak to us through your word that you would speak to us through the life of your son as we look at him again this morning and we talk about the issue of selflessness. Father, I pray that this would not be a morning where we beat ourselves up and we think less of ourselves, but we would think more of Christ and that we would want to be more like Christ. Father, we pray that you would guide our thoughts, our actions, everything we do this morning, and that when we walk out of here in just a few minutes from now that we would be different than when we came in. Thank you, Father, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, Your Son. Amen. Well, guys, uh, Christmas is just around the corner, and if you're like me, you're going to have somebody in your family go, "Hey, Dad, what do you want for Christmas?" And my answer to my kids is always the same one my dad gave to me: "I just want love. Uh, I I just want my kids to get along." That's what my dad always used to say. And we, "Oh, come on, Dad." And the older I get, it's really all I want. I just, (laughs) I just want my kids to get along. Don't give me socks. But you're going to need to know what you want for Christmas, and so I, I'm here to help you this morning. Uh, you've seen those uh, compilation CDs on uh, TV that they sell, you know, from the 60s and the 70s, and well, I ran across one that I think you're really going to want, and, and so I, I've got the commercial for you. I just want to show it to you. You're going to want to take down the 800 number and get this ordered right now. Go ahead and order it for yourself, because your, your family will not order this for you, but make them pay for it. So watch this. Some about me
1: Really it's it is all about, about you now the greatest collection of me worship me ever assembled on one cd it's all about now i lift my name on high all 20 songs I all love about you my yes. I this amazing collection is great to share with friends if you have any Everyone can join in the worship with you, for you, and about you. Because you are unique and you love you. There is none like me. no one else. All this for only nineteen ninety-five. Operators are standing by to serve you. And I am why I sing. And I am why I live. If you order now. You'll also receive a second CD of Yule Tide Favorites. Say, no, Call 1 800 ME, ME, ME. Or order online at me, myself, and I. I com. I Call today because no one can praise you like you.
0: <laughs> okay, I don't send me any emails. Okay, it's. It's semi-sacrilegious, but, you know, the truth is there's some truth to that, um, that sometimes we think the world revolves around us. It's all about me. I love some of the songs in there. There is none like me. Now I lift my name on high, how I love to sing my praises. Uh, Joyful, joyful, we adore me. Um, It's all about me. I exalt me. See, this is an issue about self-centeredness, self-centeredness. And this morning we're going to talk about selflessness selflessness and you know we've been talking about um, Christ and we've been talking about what it means to be a real man and we've been looking at the characteristics of Christ and this morning we're going to look at his selflessness but you can't look at selflessness without looking at self-centeredness and selfishness and that's really what this is all about it's about this issue of our tendency as human beings and as men to be a little bit selfish to be just kind of thinking about us so as we continue to look at the life of Christ, we're going to look at his selflessness and what that really means. You know, we've looked at the characteristics of the greatest man who ever lived, Jesus Christ, the God-man. I was listening to um, my iPod this morning coming in and listening to Alistair Begg. If you've never listened to Alistair Begg, he's a um, an American pastor, but he's from Scotland, and he's got a great Scottish brogue. I just half the time, I don't even listen to what he says. I just like to listen to him talk. But this morning he was talking about Jesus the God-man. And he made an interesting statement. He said, when Jesus became man, he didn't put on manhood like a suit. He didn't put it on like a mask. It wasn't something he just wore. He became man. It became part of his character and his characteristic. And the thing that really stuck home with me is he said, his manhood became the vehicle through which he lived out his deity. And I started thinking about that, driving in this morning, that I am a man. I'm not divine, but I have the Holy Spirit living within me. I have Christ within me. And part of what we're talking about as we go through this series is that I have the opportunity to live Christ out in my manhood. You know, because that's what's really unique, is that I can live in this fallen body. I can live out Christ. I can reflect Christ. I can be the image of christ in a fallen world through this body and see jesus did it perfectly we we can't pull that off but he gave us an example of what it means for divinity to live itself out in humanity and so one of the things we want to look at is this characteristic of selflessness he perfectly modeled selflessness and it's, it's real easy, and we're going to look at it, but it's easy to just concentrate and camp on the fact that Jesus died on a cross, the ultimate act of selflessness. But if you're not careful, you miss all those small acts of selflessness he lived out day to day in his everyday life. Granted, he didn't live that many years on this earth compared to most of us, but he lived out selflessness every single day, every step of the way among all the people that came into contact with him. Selflessness. Mark 10.45 says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to do what? Give his life a ransom for many. That's why he came. He came to serve. Here's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, a member of the Trinity, who comes and he takes on human flesh and he serves. That's why he came. This idea of selflessness not selfishness, not self-centeredness. So what does he do? His coming brought a whole new perspective to what it meant to be a man. Um, In his day and age, there was an attitude about manhood. There was an attitude about womanhood and the relationship between the two. Women were looked down upon. Women were basically no more than property. And next week we're going to talk about your relationship and my relationship with the women in our lives our wives if we have them, our friends that we have if we have them, female friends, our co-workers, our daughters if we have them, mothers which we all have. How do we react to the women in our lives? And see, Jesus comes along and he changes everything in terms of the relationship between men and women and what it means to be a man, a whole new perspective. He turns the tables as he was prone to do on everything else. He turns the tables on this issue of manhood and masculinity. He was a different kind of a man than every other guy around him. And so one of the things we're going to look at is this idea of selflessness. How did he live out a selfless life? And what does that look like for you and I this morning? Well, a, a real man, if we're going to look at Jesus, and Jesus was a real man, and our goal is to become real men and not the kind of masquerading man that's out there in the world today. We want to be real man, men. You've got to be selfless selfless he came to give himself away now reality is guys we struggle with this i struggle with this to give myself away to my wife to my kids to my uh, friends to you it's it's sometimes it's just not that easy to give yourself away and we struggle with that because of the flesh because of our self-centeredness but jesus comes along and he lives out a life that's all about giving himself away from the moment he came to the moment he left. It was all about giving, just giving himself away. And again, I don't want to just look at his death on the cross. I want to look at every other time or the many times where he gave himself away. Mark 10:45 again says to give his life a ransom for many, not just on the cross. That's the culmination. But all along the way, he was giving his life, giving his life, giving his life See, you may not be called to die in this lifetime for someone or something, but you are called to give away your life every single day for the cause of Christ to the people in your life, to the people in your home, the men around the table that you're sitting at. To give your life away, what does that mean? But he gave more than just his life. Again, this is really important to me. Here's some things that I feel like Jesus gave. He gave his time. If you go back and read through the Gospels, Jesus was constantly giving away his time. What is one of the most precious commodities you and I have? Our time. You know, we're, we're tight with our money, but we're real tight with our time. You know, we, we're always, man, I, I don't have time. I just, I really, I don't have time. If your your kid comes in and says, Dad, can you play ball? I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't have time. And it's amazing how tight we are with our time, but Jesus Christ was always giving away his time it wasn't about him it was about those in his sphere of influence how about his energy remember he's a god man he's 100 percent god but he is in human flesh he got tired he got hungry he got weary he got exhausted remember he he had to walk everywhere he went and he walked a lot and so he was constantly giving away his energy to heal people took energy you know, he felt it pass from him when the the woman touched the hem of his garment. He felt the power leave him. It took energy. Jesus was exhausted at the end of the day. You know, and sometimes I don't think about that. You know, at the end of the day sometimes your head hits the pillow and you're just you're exhausted. Jesus felt the same way except he didn't have a pillow. He didn't have a bed. He didn't have a house. But he was exhausted because he was constantly giving away his energy. How about his compassion? Jesus was giving away his compassion. He would look at Jerusalem and weep. He would, he would see people in need and he would hurt for them. He had compassion. We hear that over and over again in the Gospels. Giving away his compassion. I'm tight with my compassion. you got to really be hurting before you get my compassion. you know, it's, you got to be like hit by a bus hurt before I have compassion for you. But Jesus would look at people and just weep over their, their need, their heartache, their hurt. I can drive by people on the side of the road, and if they're, you know, street people, I can just sit there and judge them and say, well, you know, get a job. You must have screwed up somewhere in your life. Is that how Jesus would react? Compassion. He was constantly giving away. How about his attention? Jesus didn't walk past people. Jesus saw people everywhere he went. You know, the woman at the well, disciples would have walked right past her, but Jesus sees her, notices her, and he gives his full and utmost attention to the point of changing her life forever. Our attention. How about his mercy? Giving away mercy. He would see people who were living in sin and he would show mercy. The woman caught in the act of adultery. Um, He he showed mercy when everybody else wanted to pick up stones and throw them, even though they had as much sin or more in their own lives. See, Jesus was always giving away his mercy. He also gave away his forgiveness. This got him into trouble with the Pharisees because... He would forgive people of their sins. And the Pharisees would say, who in the world do you think you are that you have the right to forgive sins? Only God has the right to do that. And Jesus would just say, your sins are forgiven. Because he was God. The ability to forgive people's sins. See, we, we can forgive people, but we choose not to. We want to remind them of what you did. I'll forgive you, but. I'll forgive you, but don't ever let it happen again. I'll forgive you, but I'm not gonna forget what you did to me. And if you ever do it again, I'll remind you. See, we do that with our wives, we do it with our kids, we do it with friends. Jesus gave away his forgiveness freely. Freely. How about his touch? This one gets really kind of scary for us as guys. You know, we're not touchy-feely. I'm not a touchy-feely guy, you know. My and I have four daughters who are all touchy-feely. They just, you know, they always want to come and just lean on me and just, you know just get up against me and I just kind of, oh, please. I just, I'm just i not a touchy-feely guy, except at certain times with certain people, namely my wife. But, man, just touch, touching people, coming alongside, putting your arm around some guy, patting him on the back, saying, just talking to him. Sometimes a touch means more than a word will ever mean. Jesus touched. He touched lepers. He touched people who had never been touched And and just that touch meant the world to them. See, we can give away more than we think. He gave away his sweat, the effort, the energy that it takes to serve. You know, Ben talked about the opportunity for us to go and help set up and tear down for ShareFest. Um, You know, you're going to sweat doing that. Would Jesus have done that? And I don't say that to shame anybody, but would Jesus have signed up to do that? You bet. You bet. Would Jesus have loaded boxes and torn down tents? And you bet. Jesus was not afraid to sweat. He gave away every single day parts of his life. He gave away his tears. He wept. He, he wasn't afraid to weep. He wasn't afraid for guys to see his tears, the disciples to see his tears. See, he gave away more than just his life on the cross. He gave away his leadership. He gave away his prayers. I can even get chintzy with my prayers You know, just, okay, you you got to have a pretty big need. You want me to pray for you? No. Jesus prayed for anyone who came into his path. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for those in his sphere of influence. We don't have very many of the prayers of Jesus, but I guarantee Jesus was praying for those that he saw every day. He was praying for the lost. He was praying for the needy. I think Jesus prayed for the Pharisees constantly. He didn't just beat them up. He didn't just call them, you know, hypocrites and uh, whitewashed tombs. And I think it, in the, at the end of the day, Jesus would pray for these lost individuals because he knew their destiny. See, he prayed. He gave away so much of his life. I love this, this quote from the book, The Character of a Man. Listen to what he says. Giving himself away was Jesus. It's, it's, it's who he was. It's why he came. It was what he lived to do, it's what he loved to do, it's what he was born to do, and it's what he died doing. Giving himself away. See, the cross was the culmination of a life of giving himself away. It was like the natural extension of just who he was to die on that cross. But it started long before the cross of just giving and giving and giving And see, as I study this and as I think about this even this morning, what am I willing to give away? Am I willing to live a life of just giving, selflessness, dying to self, as Jesus did? See, he was a perfection of this concept of selflessness. I can't pull it off like Jesus. I I can't. Uh, I never will. But I can certainly make strides to be a more and more selfless man in my home, and with my kids, and with my wife, and with those in, in this room, and those in this church, and my neighbors, to give myself away like Jesus did. I can become increasingly more like Christ. Well, secondly, a real man practices selflessness through denial, self-denial. Okay, self-denial. And, and this is one that I struggle with because I don't like to deny myself. Um I'm one of those guys, if I, if I want something, I go get it. Um, I just, hey, I want one of those, and I go get it. And the idea of saying, well, maybe you don't need that is, is difficult at times. Self-denial is what Jesus lived out. Listen to this passage. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. See, we live in a world where it's all about please yourself, think about yourself, care for yourself, Take care of yourself. Buy things for yourself. But yet this says not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good. To please his ed- to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself. But it, as it is written, the, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Therefore accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. See, Jesus didn't come to please himself. If he had, we wouldn't be here. If Jesus didn't come to give himself away and to to just live a life of selflessness and sacrifice, we would not be here because he never would have died on that cross. And so it's a call for you and I to, to live out the same kind of life. Don't just please yourself. Does that mean you and I can't do anything to please ourselves? No. It's just to live more of a life of balance, to think about those around you. Again, start in your home if you're married and you've got kids, but then think about your friends. Think about your relationships. Think about those that you work with to begin to love them more than you love yourself and to want to please them for what? Their edification, their building up. If they're not saved to ultimately their salvation, if they are saved to a deeper and deeper walk with Christ. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Look out for the interests of others. Don't do it out of just what's in it for me. And it's hard. What we're talking about this morning is is not only hard, it's impossible without Christ. It is totally impossible. Ted said it in his uh, sermon on Sunday. He made the comment that it is impossible to be a real man without Christ. It's impossible. You want to be a real man in your home? You want to be a real man to your wife, to your kids? You want to be a real man to your neighbors? You want to be a real man to your friends? You cannot do it short of the power of the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. You will never pull it off. But here we are. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Regard others as more important. That means deny yourself. Jesus didn't live to please himself. You know, what if Jesus had just said, you know, today's not a good day to heal. You know, I just don't feel like it today. This is my time. You know, you don't see that when people run up to Jesus and and want to be healed. Jesus doesn't say, well, you know, I need some space. Did Jesus have space? Yeah, he prayed. But it was usually at the end of the day, and he got away. When everybody else went to sleep, he would spend the night alone. He had downtime. He had away time. But when the needs were there, he gave. He gave. Selflessly and sacrificially. To deny self is the opposite of pleasing yourself. And, guys, I'm not going to give you a whole lot of uh, examples this morning because I know what you're going to do. If I give you examples, you'll try to live out those very specific examples. Give me eight things, Ken. I'm not going to give you eight things. You're smart enough to sit down and figure out, how do I pull this off? How do I deny myself? How do I stop pleasing myself and start pleasing someone else? I think you're smart enough to figure this out. And it's going to come up later today. It'll probably come up in just a, a minute or so when I dismiss you to go get your food to let somebody go ahead of you. Or if we run out, and it could happen, that you would give yours to somebody else. See, those are little examples of denying yourself and pleasing yourself to serve someone else, to put somebody else above you. So if you came this morning hoping I'm going to give you a whole lot of just juicy little things you can go live out, I'm not going to give that to you because this is between you and God, you and the Holy Spirit looking at your life and where do you need to begin to live this out? What is it going to look like in your life? If anyone wishes to come after me, Jesus said, he must do what? Deny himself and take up this cross and follow me. So you've got to deny self before you can even take up the cross. You've got to die to self before you can die on the cross. That's where it begins. We've got to learn to deny ourselves. You know, we're going to look at a lot of passages this morning. I just felt like we need to spend more time in the Word than just any other place Titus 2, 11 and 12, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us what? To deny ourselves or deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. See, to deny yourself is partly, partly, and this is real important, denying ungodliness. And that's really the only place I tend to concentrate on is I, I gotta stop doing this and I gotta stop sinning and I, I shouldn't lust and I shouldn't look at those things and I shouldn't buy that because that's that's not right, and I shouldn't go see those kind of movies because those are wrong, and I shouldn't and it's all this list of things I shouldn't do that are wrong and sinful. Is that important? Yes. I should deny ungodliness and worldly desires because they're wrong. God hates them. They do not make me a more godly man. But is that all I'm to deny? Is that all I'm to give up? We're going to see a little bit more about that in a second. How about this? Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self, denied it, put it aside, with its evil practices. And put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. See, again, it's evil practices. I've put that aside. Now, sometimes it comes back it rears its ugly head but you're to deny the evil things you used to do the wrong things you used to do Uh, you're not to go down that path anymore i don't i don't do the drugs i used to do when i was in college i i don't i don't struggle with that anymore i don't struggle with some of the sins i used to struggle with i have denied those things i've i've put that part of me behind me but is that all it means to die to self and to deny yourself is that all how about this one? Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I have died to that old self. It's no longer I who live. It's Jesus Christ who lives in me. See we know all these passages and we read them and we, we talk about them. We hear sermons about them. But we don't really live them out in everyday life. We We deny certain things, and and we take pride in the fact that, man, I don't do that anymore. I don't go to those kind of movies. I don't don't say those kind of words anymore, and I don't drink like I used to, and I don't take drugs like I used to, and I'm not as promiscuous as I used to be when I was in high school or college, or I'm not like I once was. Praise the Lord for that. But is that all there is? Is that all there is to denying yourself? And I'm just going to keep throwing that out there to you. Think about that. Galatians 5.24, how those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Again, all that stuff in the past, all those passions, those desires that come from the flesh. Deny yourself those things. But self-denial, is it's not just about giving up those things that are evil and sinful. And this may be a revelation to some of us. Or it's in the back of our brain and we don't think about it very much it's not just giving up the evil things see jesus didn't have to give up any evil did he he was sinless so when it says jesus came to give his life away and to die and he died to self daily what was he dying to was it sin was it immorality that he had in his past was jesus giving up his past lifestyle no so what did he model for you and i well he modeled that it's also about giving up what's good giving up what's good and this is where it really gets interesting for us as men it's a willingness to give give up even what brings us pleasure it's not bad it brings us pleasure it's not condemned in the scriptures but i'm still called to give it up and deny myself that thing so for instance let's get practical more sleep you know last week um saturday uh, we're doing uh, Razor's Edge, which is this kind of intense Bible study for guys, and we meet at 6:30 on Saturday morning. And last Saturday, it's my turn to teach, and so my wife's, we had my wife's birthday party the night before, stayed out a little later than I had planned. And at 6 o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call. I'm in bed, I'm sound asleep, and it's one of the guys in Razor's Edge, and he's—he's he's like, Ken, are you coming? And I go into panic mode. It's like, you know, you want to throw up because you're like, I'm in Arlington. I'm at least 25 minutes away, and I'm teaching in 30 minutes. And I had totally forgot to set my alarm clock. I got a little extra sleep. You know, but sometimes, guys, we just choose to sleep. We just choose to sleep in. And it's, is that a bad thing to sleep in? Is it bad to, you know, just get a little bit of extra rest? Somebody asked me, well, did you enjoy your extra 45 minutes? No, it didn't help me at all because I spent the next 25 minutes in a panic. But is it wrong to sleep? No. But sometimes you're going to be called to give up sleep. Did Jesus do that? You bet. Did Jesus go without sleep? You bet. How about us? How about time to ourselves? Is there anything sinful about time to yourselves? No. But are you going to be called sometimes to give that up? And say, you know what? It's not about me. It's about her. It's about him. It's about them. Giving up time of yourselves. How about recreation and relaxation? Is there anything sinful, evil, wrong about either one of those? No. But you are sometimes going to be called to give those things up. To just deny yourself those things. I want to relax. How many times have you gone home at the end of the day and you're just totally exhausted and all you want to do is veg? And you just want to turn on the TV. You don't even care what's on. You just want to hear the hum of the TV and nothing else. And you walk in the door, and somewhere along the way, all hex broke loose in your home. Or your wife just goes, here, they're yours. Take them. And you're just, oh, gosh, this, honey, no, wait, no, wait. And then you hear the screech of the tires as she drives off. Um, <laughs> and you get mad, and you think, well, this is my time. I need some space. I need some relaxation. Is that true? Probably. Is it wrong to want it? No. But what's better is to be willing to give it up to serve someone else. Privacy, solitude. Again, you think about Jesus' life, you go through the stories of his life, and he was always giving away these very things. See, when he gave himself away, he wasn't denying his sinful past. He was just giving away all that he had. My time, my privacy. My, can you imagine how little privacy Jesus really had? He spent every stinking day with 12 disciples who from everything I can tell the scriptures are about like you and I, not the brightest bulbs in the box. And I, I mean, I, we don't have everything recorded of all their conversations, but I think around the campfire at night, they must have asked some of the dumbest questions. And Jesus just had to sit there and, okay, we'll go over that again. You know, and he'd say, okay, here's why I teach in parables. I've told you this before, but here, let's go over it again. He gave away all that he had every single day. He gave away his comfort and ease. Could Jesus have lived a better lifestyle? You bet. Could Jesus have probably afforded a home? Yes, because of the gifts of those around him, the women who supported his ministry. Could Jesus have stayed in a nice hotel or inn? Yeah, he could have. He chose not to. He gave away all that he had recognition reward see Jesus could easily have said you know when when he healed people what was one of the things he almost always said don't go tell anybody and I've always struggled with that but part of it is that you know he knew what they were going to do they're going to go tell everybody and their dog and suddenly everybody's going to want to make him king now and he knew his time was not yet come it wasn't time he didn't need the recognition he didn't need the reward what was the temptation one of the temptations of the of satan in the wilderness To get recognition and reward earlier than God had planned. See, sometimes we're going to have to give that up to serve others. We don't get the recognition. We don't get the reward. Andrew Murray, if you've never read any of his books, you need to. And this is a great one. It's called Like Christ. He says, self-denial has not its value with God, as some think, from the measure of pain it causes. See, that's what we think. Self-denial is all about pain. It's all about giving up something, you know. Really valuable, and it's got to hurt, and the more it hurts, the better. God loves it when it hurts. But he goes on, he says, no, for this pain is very much caused by the remaining reluctance to practice it. See, if it hurts so much to give it up, you're really not denying yourself that thing. you still got your hands wrapped around it, and it's like they're prying it out of your little greedy hands, and it hurts. Self-denial is when you just willingly say, you know what? Take it. You want my time? Take it. You want my rest? Take it. You want my private time? Take it. You want my money? Take it. I gladly give it. But if every time they take it, I got this pain and, I, and it hurts and I say, okay, God, you can have it, but oh man, this hurts. That's not self denial. That's not what he's got in mind. So Jesus practiced self denial. He was willing to give up good things. He's willing to give up his time, his energy, uh, his private time uh, in order to serve the needs of others. I love Romans 15, verses 2 through 3. This is the living translation. It says, We should please others. If we do what helps them, we will build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't please himself. We should please others. If we do what helps them, we will build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't please himself. We should please others. Now, see, this isn't about being men-pleasers. This isn't about just making people happy, doing what they want you to do. It's about building them up. Because the reality is when we, when we build somebody up, that's what really will end up pleasing them. It's, it's a deeper thing than just pleasing them on a surface level. But it takes denying self. Well, there's a second part I want to uh, talk about in Jesus' life. Not only did he deny himself, but he practiced self-sacrifice. Self-denial and self-sacrifice. That's what a real man will do. He will live out a life of self-sacrifice. Now, you may sit there and think, well, they sound the same. They're really different, and we'll see why. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. That's you and I, children. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma. This is the second half. Part of his life was living out a life of selfless, self-denial, giving his life away in the little ways all along the way. And then it culminated, as we said earlier, on the cross. Giving his life as an offering and a sacrifice to God. That's what you and I are called to follow, that example. To be willing to go that far in if necessary giving our lives away but also giving our lives away here denying self to the point of self-sacrifice 1 John 3 16 and 17 we know love by this he Jesus laid down his life for us we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren but whoever has the world's good sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him how does the love of God abide in him See, isn't it interesting? He says, we had to lay down our lives for the brethren. And then he goes right into, you've got stuff. You've got the world's goods. And you see somebody in need and you refuse to give it to them. You don't have the love of God. That's an example of sometimes laying down your life, sacrificing your life, not just literally in death, but in giving away those things that are of value to you. What's the ultimate thing we have of value is our lives. That's the ultimate sacrifice. It's what Jesus did. Is Jesus going to call me to die for my faith? Probably not. But would I be willing to? There are people all around this world who are being called to die for their faith. That's the ultimate sacrifice. But there are ways that I can lay down my life every single day. See, self-sacrifice is the root from which self-denial springs. It's the attitude that I am willing to lay everything on the line. And then self-denial becomes that much easier. See, if Jesus didn't have his eyes on the cross, those little moments of self-denial along the way would have been a whole lot harder. But he knew that, man, I'm, ultimately I'm going to the cross. So to give away my time, that's no big deal. To give up a little bit of privacy, that's no big deal. To give up my energy to compared to what I'm, I'm willing and ready to do, this is nothing. See, it begins with an attitude of self-sacrifice, that it's not about me anymore, and I'd be willing to die for those around me, literally. That's a different kind of an attitude than many of us have. In self-denial, self-sacrifice is tested. See, we say, okay, Lord, I, I'm, I'm willing to die for you. And he goes, okay, give up your time. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, I'm not ready to do that. Well then, that's the test of your self-sacrifice. Are you really willing to get up on the altar for me? Are you really willing to give your life to me and let me control it? See, self-sacrifice is when you basically say, I died to myself and I live for the Lord and he tests it out in little acts of self-denial every day. Are you really mine? Are you really willing to do what I tell you to do? Then I want you to give that up. It's a good thing. You have every right to it but I want you to give it up and give it away. Give your time. Give your love. Give your mercy. Give your touch. Give your attention. Give your ears. Give your feet, your hands to do something that maybe you want to do something else, but that will really show your self-sacrifice. Self-denial is the test where self-sacrifice gets tested. Self-sacrifice is the... Jesus incarnated himself, and it was... A self-sacrifice when he took on human flesh when he became god in human flesh it was a self-sacrifice and we've talked about this before what a step down it was for jesus to take on human flesh god coming into man taking on this taking on infancy being helpless having to be fed having to be cleaned having to be bathed by humans who he created Jesus' incarnation was self-sacrifice. Just dying to himself. Philippians 2, 7 tells us that. He, Jesus, emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. He emptied himself. He he said, you know what? I don't think equality with God is something I'm going to hold on like a kid with a toy or a dog with a rag. I'm willing to let go of that and come to earth and take on human flesh. Now, did he not... Did he lose his divinity? No. That's not what this passage teaches. But he was willing to put himself in the position of a man, being made in the likeness of men, all out of self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. His life of self-denial was proof of his self-sacrifice. His life, everything he did from the, the moment he began his ministry till it ended. And even as a young man, as a young boy, was a life of self denial that was proof of his self-sacrifice i came to die and i'm going to live it out every single day in little ways i'm going to die every single day to my rights my will my way and i'm going to do it god's way see that's what it's all about have you have you really come to grips with am i really into this self-sacrifice thing am i really on the altar is that something you really believe in His greatest act of self-denial was the sacrifice of his own life. That was the culmination. When he finally got up on that cross and he allowed the men he had created to do to him things that none of us in this room would want to have done to us. That was the ultimate act of self-denial. Again, Philippians verse 8 of chapter 2. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, Mm -hmm. even death on a cross. Jesus was willing to take on that as an act of self-denial and ultimately self-sacrifice. It's not about me, is in essence what he's saying. It's about them. And he was willing to put it all aside. It's about them. See, it's not about you. It's not about me. All those little funny songs at the beginning, it's not about me. The world does not revolve around me. It revolves around you. And people I don't even know yet. Neighbors I've yet to meet. Peoples whose paths I'm going to cross later today who I don't know. It's all about them, not me. Romans 5, 8, you're very familiar with it. God demonstrates his own love towards me and you in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave it all. He sacrificed himself in order that we might have life. See, self-sacrifice is the ultimate, the very essence of true love. You can say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you to somebody, your wife, a friend, a neighbor, your mother, your dad, your son, your daughter, I love you. If you do not practice self-sacrifice, it's a sham, it's a lie, and they will see right through it. I can tell my kids I love you day after day after day, but if I never die to myself and put them first, they will go, you don't really love me, you love work more than me. You, you, you love your pleasure more than me. You love golf more than me. You love this more than me. You love the car more than me. You know, you, you, you've know, probably had occasions where your daughters wrecked your car and you've flown off the handle and gotten all upset about your car and the dent in your car. And what does that message send to your daughter? Your, the car is more important than me. Your possessions mean more to you than me. How many times have I gotten upset with my kids for leaving my tools out in the yard and they get rusted and I get upset about tools now, do I want my kids to have a responsibility? Yes. But if they if they walk away from that exchange that my tools mean more to me than them, then I it doesn't matter how many times I say, I love you, I love you, I love you. No, you don't, Dad. You love stuff more than me. You love your time more than me. You you love your privacy more than me. Self-sacrifice is the very essence of true love. Without complete self-sacrifice, guys, we can't love as Jesus loved. And, and I know and as soon as I put that Term on there complete, we all just check out and go. Well, I can't even pull that off. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can live a life of complete self-sacrifice. I can begin to I can begin to give my life away more and more and more. In the little ways, take the little steps. Don't don't get overwhelmed by this, but just begin to take the little steps of little paths that you can go down to really show that you're willing to sacrifice self for the greater good of others You know, Jesus said in John 15, 13 greater love has no one than this than he laid down his life for his friends yes, ultimately it may be lay your life down physically, die but it's even harder to just lay your life down on a daily basis and say, I'm going to put your needs above my needs, I'm going to take that phone call late in the night, I'm going to do this when it really is an inconvenience I'm going to give up my stuff For you. Lay down your life. See, Jesus did that every step of the way. The Apostle Paul did it. Most of the Apostles did it. The early church lived it out. It's what we're called to do. And if we did more and more, people would be so attracted to us because they don't see it in the world around us. Laying down our lives. Ephesians 5.2, live a life of love just as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Live a life of love. What kind of love? Selfless, sacrificial, laid-on-the-line kind of love, expecting nothing in return. We need to just begin to try it and see what happens, little steps at a time. See what it does to your marriage, to your relationships, to your children. Self-sacrifice, guys, is always for the good of others and for the glory of God. It's not about accolades. It's not about pats on the back and that boy, you're doing a great job. It's about the good of others and to the glory of God. Why do I give my time away? Why do I give myself away? Why do I sacrifice? It's for their good. I'm doing it for her. I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it for you, and I'm doing it for His glory, not mine. It's those two things. They go hand in hand. Self sacrifice. Self sacrifice. Romans 12.1, I urge you, brethren, I implore you, I I plead with you, I beg you, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Present your bodies, guys. He's urging you and I, saying, I beg you, take this body, it's all you got, and offer it as a sacrifice to God. Offer it as a sacrifice to those around you. So here's some questions for you as we wrap this up. What are you willing to give up so that God might be lifted up? See, it's probably not your life. He's not going to ask you for that. But what are you willing to give up that is okay, it's good, it's yours, you have a right to it. But you know what, Lord, I'm going to die to that today in order that you might be lifted up so that somebody might see Christ in me. What are you willing to die to so that others might have something to live for? You know, sometimes the gospel is, is, is encased in just our little decisions every day, and that's what attracts people. It's not just sharing the gospel, as important that, as that is, but it's, it's, it's loving somebody when nobody else will love them. It's listening when nobody else will listen. It's touching them when no one else will touch them. That's when they go, there's something different about you. And they make a decision for Christ. Jesus gave us all so that you might have everything. He gave it all so that you might have eternal life. Everything. Life now and life forever in Him. Jesus became sin so that you might receive forgiveness. See, He gave it all. And it's the little things we struggle with. It's just the little things of life that He says, Ken, just give it. Give it. It's mine anyway. Just give it as an offering, as a sacrifice. Jesus left his throne so that you might wear a crown someday. If he had not stepped from glory and taken on human flesh, we would never have the promise of eternal life and a crown. He took on human flesh so that you might be glorified one day with a a glorified body and be like him. Jesus did all this for you and I. Well, again, selflessness, giving, giving, They lay at the heart of of Jesus' manhood 2,000 years ago. They lay at the heart of his hope for men today. Selflessness, giving. That's what we're called to do, guys. You know, make money, great. Be a good coach, great. Um, Do great things for God, great. But it's the little things in life of giving ourselves away that really say, I've given my life to him. It's his, I'm on that altar, and you know what? I'm not going to crawl down. Father, we come before you and we stand before you uh, in awe of the sacrifice you made in order that we might have life. Jesus, we stand before you uh, unable to give you the proper thanks for the life of self-sacrifice that you lived. Had you chosen not to do it, we wouldn't be here, and we would be indeed hopeless But we have a future because you chose to live a life of selflessness. Show us how to do the same thing, Father, in the little acts of life. Make us men of selflessness. Show us how to do it today. Give us the strength to do it. Give us the determination to do it. And may we today make a difference in the life of someone else because we put their needs above our own. Father, it's not going to be easy And you never said it would be. But it is possible. And it can make a difference in this world. That's why we're here. To live out the life of Christ every single day in the little acts of life. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for salvation. And thank you that we have the opportunity today to live it out in the lives of others. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.